my name is John Bird, uh, and I am the founder of The Big Issue. An incredible concept. How did that all come about? Well, we stole the idea from America. Uh, there was a street paper in New York called Street News uh, in 1990, 1989, 1990, and a guy called Gordon Roddick, who was the chairman of the body shop with his wife Anita Roddick, he was in New York and he bought a copy of this paper and uh, he spoke to the guy and the guy said, um, yeah, I'm selling it because I've, I've been spent most of my life in the penitentiary uh, and now I don't want to get into trouble because I want to help educate my children. So he got a legal job selling this paper to get him out of the grief and Gordon thought it was a brilliant idea and brought the idea back to the UK but he couldn't get anybody to do it, and then he asked me to do it because I was an ex-offender, ex-rough sleeper. I was like the people he yeah. wanted to help. So he, he, he involved me, and I set it up, and he gave me the money and told me to go forward and multiply, if you see what I mean. <laughs> In the nicest possible yeah. way. And, and so over those years, have you any idea of how many people have been helped through this? Well hundreds of thousands I think we did about I think we did a, I think it was 170,000 people um, and helped is a very interesting thing because some people you can help very quickly some people is a lot slower and some people you can't help at all so we've had a mixture of people who have done reasonably well out of us to people who've done incredibly well so it's 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 like most things it's a bit of a curate's egg so I'm very, very proud of the fact that my intention, was, which was based on my own life, which was give people a legitimate means of making money so that if they had a bad habit, I was a drinker, street drinker, uh, uh, if, if you have a bad habit, um, uh, the only person you're harming is yourself. You're not robbing somebody's granny to feed your habit. So to me, the important thing in poverty is to get people out of crime and then you can begin to work with them. So that's, that, that is my greatest claim to fame, in my opinion, is that I've decriminalized many, many people. What, what was it for you that, that got you out of the rut you got in or got trapped in? Well, I, I was very fortunate, unlike my brothers. My brothers were law-abiding and I wasn't. So every time I got nicked, I mean, put away, they taught me something. So uh, it's a bit like an insurance policy. What they do is they give you a crummy form of education to everybody, and then somebody who misbehaves, they then spend a bit more money on them. You know, it's a bit like you're all paying so much, uh, uh, and then you have to spend a million pound on the odd person. So I was put into the custodial system uh, from the age of 13 onwards. And I, I learned to read and write in a boys' prison when I was 16. I learned about printing. I learned about scaffolding. I learned about plumbing. I learned about music. So we, they would, you know, if you wanted to, you could go to the local municipal orchestra and watch them and listen to them. So I, got, I, I became an educated person through the, the boys' prison service, you know, the juvenile correctional. And my brothers didn't get that and they have suffered and what I've done is I've used my uh, education to read, write uh, and, and become a, an activist through that, you know. Mm. And when you say activist, I mean, 
there's clearly a shortcoming, a gap somewhere here between what the state does and what's needed. So when you say activist, what, what are you really pushing well, for? Well, uh, uh, you know, uh, people say to me, oh, why do you talk to the Conservatives or why do you talk to Labour? I say, look, you know, if you are working to help people out of, you know, unfortunate circumstances, people in need, then you have to sup with the devil, you know, always have a long spoon, as they say. Um, so that my activism is providing things like that. But the other thing is, because I'm now in the House of Lords, my activism has driven me more and more to question the integrity of the thinking of the state, because I think the state is uh, mismanaging its money, our money, uh, and keeping people in poverty. So now my activism is about changing or reinventing government. And my bill, which I'm going to talk about today, the Wellbeing of Future Generations bill, which is going through the Lords and then through the Commons, is really about reinventing government. So that's, I'm an activist like that. Um, uh, and I don't, uh, I don't accept any of the political uh, um, complexions of, you know, I'm not left, right or centre, you know. Yeah. Just work with anybody, really. I think the pressures must be great because... Covid suddenly, you know, they were taking people off the streets and providing accommodation, admittedly in hotels that were empty because of Covid and everything else. But there's continual pressures, there's continual changes. We're seeing, you know, reductions in support for many people. People who find themselves in a job one day and maybe two months later on the street. Uh, so how frustrating is it for you to, to see, I don't know, the lack of a proper joined up system that, that manages this well? Well, I, I, it's, it's, it's frightening. Uh, it, it's really frightening. I, because I was homeless from a child, uh, I can tell you that homelessness is the most debilitating experience I've ever had and I would not wish that on my enemies. Um, and when you look at uh, the fact that there's half a million people who have not paid their mortgages or their rent, so they're in arrears, they then are potentially going to be evicted if they uh, don't, if, if, the, if the support's not there. So part of my campaign, I have two campaigns, one is the well-being of future generations and the other is a campaign to keep people in their homes. So keep people in their homes, pay them and support them and, until they get out of the emergency and get them a job. And if you do that, it's, it's about half the price or even a third of the price of actually letting them slip into homelessness. Homelessness is very, very expensive. And people don't right, realize how expensive it is to keep people poor. Yeah. You know, the poorest among us can cost 20, 30, 40, 50,000. When I was in the custodial system, it, I, what, they, what it cost to keep me there, you could, have, you could have put three people through eating. You know, uh, uh, Boris Johnson's old school. Yeah. It's like the, it's a, the neat category. It's the same sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. To support yeah. kids, uh, you know, who are on the edge. Yeah. Is, You've got to, you know, if you can do yeah. something to really give them self-belief. I've seen these programs. Yeah. Self-belief is what it's really all about sometimes. Oh. Oh. So um, here we are at COP26. Um, climate change. You know, I've been talking to people about what's happening here. So for people who are on the streets, you know, increasing extremes of weather, increasing people being affected by the heat in the summer, growing deaths and, you know, more people migrating. 
do you see climate change as putting added pressure on this or is it a side issue compared to the the bigger challenges no i think the biggest challenge in the world is the continue the the continuation of the planet Uh, so what i've tried to do and um, to be as clever as possible is to link climate change to poverty so what i want to do is i want to i want to get rid of poverty by using the climate change argument the equation being that it, you know new jobs new opportunities new thinking new creativity because if you do that you could hit two you could kill two birds with one stone one is you could address the the climactic problems and two you could do it by creating green jobs and green opportunity and green creativity which gets people out of poverty. The other thing is, I'm very, very interested, uh, and I want to talk about it today, uh, about the concept of poverty of thinking. Because I think we've got a poverty of thinking, not just from the government, but we're all, in a sense, we're not cognitive Democrats. We don't know the difference between things because we have not had an education system that is, has, has kind of pushed us and pushed us and pushed us to grasp what the world is all about, where it's going. If we had a cognitive democracy rather than a representational democracy, we would have moved uh, 50 years ago when things started to go wrong, uh, 50, 60 years ago, we would have moved inexorably towards a, uh, a non a, 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 a non-destructive form of of um, business and capitalism and all that. I mean, capitalism has been the creator of great opportunities and great destruction. If we'd been, if we'd actually had an education system that tapped into the beauties of our beings, our minds and our bodies and all that, if we'd done that back then, we wouldn't be facing extinction now. And anything like this anything so disruptive uh because you know trying to tinker with it isn't 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 the answer from what you're saying it's no we've got to you know do something completely different that's fit for purpose but isn't that a threat to the establishment and what resistance do you get oh well it's not just a threat to the establishment it's a threat to the man and woman in the street because largely people want to be left alone. They want to carry on with the kind of life they... We can still pretend that climate change is a side issue. We can still pretend. I don't know how long we're going to be able to pretend it. Maybe a few more summers. Uh, but the point is, we have, we have to really address the fact that as, as the thinking animal, that's human beings are looked upon as the thinking animal, we are not very good at it. We are not very good. We we think that you know we can put up houses and not and and not have an effect on nature. We think we can put up factories. We think we can pour rubbish into the rivers. Everybody is advantaged and disadvantaged by the poor pollution because the poor pollution is normally about producing products that people buy. And to me, um, we need we need to start paying our debt to nature. But the thousands of young people who are going to be on the streets out there today, they know it's coming. Mm. You know, what they're saying is, to the leaders, is uh, all we're really saying to you is change is coming. Yeah. And you better be ready for it. Yeah. Well, um, I do hope so. I mean, I'm looking for developing new 
uh, intellectual, cultural, political tools. I'm not a great believer in changing the minds of governments by protest and pressure. I believe that we that the reason I'm in the House of Lords is because I was always described as a person who could think outside the box. And it was only when I thought one night, I thought, hang on, they're only saying that because the box is not working. We have to get into the government. We have to get into the political system. And that means that that's not being outside and protesting. It means we, us human beings and our children, I've got five children, I want them all politically committed to making deep changes in the way that we think and the way that we act. Just very quickly, so where are you at with your bill and when does it go into the mechanism? The, be the bill at the moment is just about to have its uh, committee stage, which means next Wednesday, it, 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 if, if there are no amendments, yes. it will then be a not, it will nod through and then it will go into the Commons, where it will be picked up by Simon Fell, who is a, an MP, uh, who's a Conservative MP, who is absolutely committed to uh, the idea of, of making the bill work. The unfortunate thing is, we have to kind of, uh, am I allowed to say brown nose the government? We have to try and get the government behind it. And that is going to be like pulling teeth. And hopefully uh, at the end of the operation, which is like June, uh, June or maybe July, we hope to be able to say the government has embraced most of what we're saying, which is about future planning, which is about prevented, it's a prevention bill, and it's about reinventing the way we govern. I could talk to you for much longer, but time's against us. Thank you so much for that. Thank you and very much. Uh, good luck with your bill. Thank you. Thank you.